This is just a little note that today's episode contains some stronger adult language. So if you're listening to this at work or in your car with some kids, you may want to throw on some headphones. All right. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Long Finish. I'm your host, Tug Coker, and I'm here as always with my wife and co-host, Catherine Weil Coker. How are you doing tonight, Catherine? I'm great. How are you? Really good, Catherine. And this is episode 95 oh my. of The Long Finish. You doing okay? Well, I'm battling a little cold here, but pushing through, feeling good, you know, happy about life. Yes, we've had a very fun past couple days, which we'll get into in the next episode of the show. Fully back into life and life surrounded by three kids. Okay, so we want to continue our conversation with Matthew Kaner. Like I said on the previous podcast, we had such an engaging time with Matthew that I wanted to split this episode into two episodes. So the first episode was really about his life, his journey in wine, which I find to be completely fascinating, especially if you're a resident uh, or, you know, a fan of Los Angeles. If you're coming to L.A., you got to go to those places, Barcovel, Augustine Wine Bar. But now in this episode, we delve a little bit about what he's doing now. And this was born out of a tasting that you had at Esther's exactly. back in January. Exactly. And this was mentioned in the previous episode, but Matthew and I reconnected when he came to pour proxies, which is kind of like a wine substitute, uh, wine alternative at our dry January non-alcoholic tasting at Esther's. And it was a huge success. People just came out of the woodwork for this tasting. It was so fun. They loved the proxies. We, I got to try a whole bunch of different ones that I hadn't tried before. Matthew and I started talking about the wine industry, about proxies. And the next thing you know, here we are doing the podcast. And it really made sense to like, you know, go through his journey. And then, but really this non-alcoholic space is just exploding. You can see it in restaurants and even bars all over town. There are shops that are like just dedicated to non-alcoholic beverages. It's growing so quickly. And Proxies is a fantastic wine alternative. The labeling is beautiful. There's such care and thought into what goes in these bottles. It's a great conversation you're about to hear. So we get into the conversation about proxies. We also talk about the the movement of non-alcoholic beverages. We talk about some things that we never thought of before, about expiration dates, about nutrition labels, and of course, food pairings and all the things we talk about in every episode regarding every wine that we've had for the past 90 four episodes. So hope you enjoy the continued conversation with Matthew Kaner, Catherine, and myself. So let's go ahead and get into it. And we hope you enjoy the podcast. Just to highlight what you did at Augustine, Augustine Wine Bar was named the best wine bar in America by Food and Wine Magazine. You went on to be named the 40 under 40 tastemakers by wine enthusiasts in 2019. Huge career as an owner of wine bars. And you moved out of this business. Now, you mentioned your, your mom's entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial, that's the worst word. It's hard. Entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. Third time's the charm. <laughs> what excited you about the next steps 
in your journey because this is really the reason why we wanted you to come tonight because we're so excited about what you're doing right now. Thank you. But what was the cause for you about Next Steps? So I had a restaurant close. It was open for two years and it hurt. It hurt because I lost money for my investors. It was the first time I had done that. I felt a personal responsibility. I felt like I failed. I felt like I failed my friends. I felt like I failed my business, you know, people who believed in me. I personally lost a lot of money. I lost almost six figures. And I continued with my business partners as a husband, wife named Sean and Sophie O'Malley. We continued to invest in the concept, even though things were not going well. And we, we put up our own livelihoods to keep it going. And as you started to unwind it, I, I really looked at myself in the mirror and was like, why am I doing this? Honestly, what I referenced earlier, I never thought or my desire was not to open a wine bar. I didn't think that was going to happen. I didn't have this like insane, like, oh, I love having people over and opening wine. So I have to open a wine bar. Like a lot of people say that, like, I love hosting parties. So I should have a restaurant. Like, I don't know. Should you? But when I started to think about what makes me happy, what am I best at? There's some moments I remember one in particular, someone one time was at Covell and it was like three deep at the bar, small place. You know, we're supposed to only have 50 people in that place. There was times we had over a hundred people in there and someone's like, Oh, why don't you have a blog? This is like, you're so good at this. Why don't you have a blog? And I remember standing up and putting my arms up and be like, this is my blog. And what I realized was I was really good at doing the dance, the ballet of it. I would know everyone at the bar and what they were drinking, what their name on their tab was. And I could do it. I could do these little weird pirouettes and know and have the right wine at the right time. And like that, that was cool to me. Knowing the service of it, knowing people's name, learning, meeting new people, but passing information about wine. That was what I learned, the telling the stories turning someone onto something they'd never heard of before, giving them an aha moment to then go Google, like, tell me all about the Canary Islands or where's my next trip going to be? Maybe I should go to, you know, I'm going to go to Morocco or whatever to inspire people in a way. So I started thinking if I'm going to get out of this side of the business, because, you know, I'm still in the wine world, but I just, I chose not to own wine bars anymore. I was like, how can I leverage what I'm best at? And another problem was employees became increasingly expensive and at the same time, they became, and rightfully so, they became even more self-interested than 2012, 2010. Like people would just be like, oh, I don't like driving to work anymore. So therefore I'm just going to quit. Or I know that I used to make this much money, but like, I don't want to show up for that much money anymore. Or I know that I'm scheduled on Tuesday, but I don't like working on Tuesday. So I'm going to quit. Or I know I'm the dishwasher, but I don't want to wash dishes anymore. And I was like, what the fuck? I can't win. Because I had two partners in Covell and in Augustine who both had families. I was single and didn't have a family. So a lot of times I would have to like change my plans and be the dishwasher or the food runner or whatever. And ultimately, it was all about, for me, the focus on the wine. Not being the dishwasher, not being the HR person, not being the piggy bank, not being everyone's older brother, father figure, whatever, whatever they needed. So... I started thinking about the times when I was lucky enough to get like the Loire Valley would hire me to be a moderator on a panel and do a big event and get to speak in front of a bunch of people. And the Rhone Valley would do that. And uh, Wines of Germany would do that. And I was like, what if I could do that for a job? And I, you know, COVID obviously changed a lot of things. I don't want to focus too much on that. Everyone's heard too much about COVID. But I sold my ownership of Augustine literally 10 days before COVID hit. Wow. It's insane. And... Then I stayed on at Covell to try to save it for one full year. And then I sold my ownership of Covell April 1st, 2021 is when the paperwork went live and ink was dry and whatnot. So my goal, hope, desire manifestation was I'm going to lean on this consulting side I have. I actually had a business structure already and I was hoping that I would jump off the cliff, 
unknowing if my wings were ready to fly yet and if I was going to fall and hit the you know, the rocks and the baby bird. Yeah. And like a bunch of alligators were down there waiting on me, like with their mouths open. I wasn't, I was like, fuck, am I going to make it? And somehow out of nowhere, people knew who I was. And the, the one thing that was hard was making everyone realize or getting the information out that I was available. So I also learned a lot of people probably had me in mind for things and were like, oh yeah, but he owns four wine bars and restaurants. So he's not available. So as soon as I started putting the feelers out, getting information out that I was available, I started to get opportunities like Instagram lives, tastings for certain wine regions or brands, print things. I started making content with the Som TV people. That started before I unraveled everything. That started in end of 2019. And I really wasn't sure would that work? Would I be able to fully focus in that world? And for the first like six, seven months, it was a touch and go thing. It was, it was tricky. But one of the things that happened very uh, fortuitously, I got an email from a PR company on behalf of a co-owner and co-founder of a non-alcoholic wine brand, non-alcoholic wine replacement brand that was wondering if I'd be interested in tasting and they liked my work in the wine world and were just like, hey, can we send you samples? So I, like a lot of us, I referenced earlier, people don't like to read. Turns out I didn't read the fucking email all the way. And I thought I was being sent a bottle of wine or some bottles of wine. And what pops up is this beautifully constructed, amazingly colored, wax-topped, excellent packaged non-alcoholic i read it i'm like what the fuck did i miss that (laughs) and i'm like this is december 2020 i had sold navarro grape juice they make one from riesling and one from pinot and one from zinfandel i think Mm -hmm. i sold pellegrino i sold mexican coca-cola and then once in a while depending on who the manager was we'd get like the little uh, martinelli's little small ones that look like an apple and a couple times we'd get like a rose lemonade from that really high-end british company who i'm f- forgetting the name but we had like five non-alcoholic things in total and one of them was a wine alternative one i was not in on the non-alc wine thing i didn't like what i tasted i thought it was bullshit i didn't give any credence to it and then this stuff falls into my lap and i'm like whoa this is not what your mother's mother used to drink this is not the chianti with the weird basket this is not what we used to think it was and it blew my mind. And they, the original thing was Charlie, the co-founder, asked me if I would help him like get some ins at restaurants and you know introductions to sommeliers. He's like, "We'll give a case away. We just want to like get in the door and see if people like it, and like we'll just give him product." I was like, "Okay, well, I'll try." And like some people were open to tasting it. Some people were like, "Okay, I'll take a case." Some people were like, "Nah, I'm, I'm cool." And this is you know 2020, 2021. Um, early 2021. Obviously, it was a COVID time and people were probably inundated by a lot. And I, I understand. But the mood and the kind of landscape of non-alc was still pretty low and not everyone was interested or involved or open to it. And then Charlie goes, well, we want to put a program together where like we have ambassadors. And do you know anyone who might be interested? I was like, ah, oh, you know, I can think about it. Sure, I'll, I'll get back to you. And like I had offered to help him, like, make some connections and things, I'm just like, oh, who who can I think of? I'll, I'll help, whatever. And he goes, well, what about you? And I was like, huh? I didn't even think about it. I didn't think that my 25 years experience in the food and beverage world might angle me perfectly for this. I, I just didn't think like that. I don't know. So being an arbiter of taste, having good sense of taste and smell... And yeah, I'm a drinker, but like there's seven days in a week and I actually was limiting my own alcohol and have gone through, I'm sure you guys can, as you own wine bars, you know, it's an occupational hazard to have alcohol around all the time. It's the worst part about wine. Yeah. That it's liquor. (laughs) The alcohol part. All that ABV. (laughs) And so I was in the perfect moment to be like, wow, 
okay, let's try this out. And we had a great conversation. I took on an opportunity. It was supposed to be a three-month trial. It turned into a five-month trial. We tried to get people in 2022, January, to care about dry January. And God love all my friends in the LA world. They were like, nope, can't be bothered. What's dry? Oh, I don't want anyone drinking non-alcoholic. That's going to take away from my bottom line. And granted, COVID was still rampant and people were scared. We didn't really know what was happening. We had already had one start and stop with outdoor dining. Then they took it away from us and everyone went back to to-go. And they probably were just like, Sancerre cells, Chardonnay cells, Pinot Noir cells. I'm not investing any more of my money in anything. And fuck dry January. It's probably what they were thinking one year ago. The team at Proxies... God love these Canadians. I love Canadians. I've loved Canadians my whole life. Love CCTV. I love Kids in the Hall. <laughs> Fucking Trailer Park Boys. Letter Kenny. God, so good. I love Canadians. I love their humor. I love how awkward they can be. I love the clothes they wear because I'm a denim on denim on denim motherfucker myself. And this team of amazing Canadians saw the future. They really did. And they were willing to invest in a product that people were not ready for yet. None of us were actually having that conversation, but that's really ultimately what we were all thinking. Now I've been working with them 15 months and this dry January, you know, thankfully, I'm so thankful you invited us to be a part of your tasting, but this dry January, I've done like 11 events myself and we've been doing them in New York, Chicago, Austin, Montreal, Toronto, name other Canadian cities, probably Vancouver. I don't know, blah, blah, blah. It's up. And yeah, like we're one brand. The amount of non-alc that's happening this month, the landscape has exploded. The people, we went through this COVID time and everyone drank like a fish and now we're like, oh, I'm going to stay, stay, I'm alive. I stayed alive. I'm alive. I got to protect. I need to get my body back the way I wanted. I need to get my eating habits back the way I wanted. I can drink if I drink a couple nights a week and be cool. So therefore, how do I have that ritual and still feel like I'm having a intimate experience, a culinary gastronomic experience, but maybe I don't need the same amount of calories and the alcohol. I don't want to have a hangover tomorrow. Maybe I want to drink two glasses of wine tonight, but I want to hang out for five hours. How do I do that? How do I extend? Proxies work perfectly for all those scenarios. The demand is unbelievable how it's risen. And people used to ask a little bit, and then we put a little menu together, and then the menu went crazy. Mm-hmm. We, we started during the day, but then people asked for the menu at night, and it's just growing. And it is. It's people who, of course, are caring about like their health, but also people who just want to drink something. Like me. I yeah. love beverages. Yeah. Like I just want... I have Same. tea, I have coffee, I have something in my hand. And so I just am so curious. And yeah. they look great. They taste great. In our debriefing of the tasting, you said it was the most popular, one of the most popular tastings we had at Esther's For in sh- the past year, in the period. Year. Mm-hmm. I had no yeah. idea what to expect. Yeah. I My fault. I didn't ask a lot of questions. You said, would you like to be involved? I said, yeah. You go bring a couple sample bottles. Can you come at this time? Like, yeah, of course. <laughs> and I show up and I'm like, cool, what are we doing? I thought we were just going to pour free taste for people. Next thing I know, you've got this amazing menu put together, two mocktails made with two different non-alc spirit replacements, and then three of our proxies are poured, two ounces of each. And the excitement in the customers' faces when they got to learn about this stuff. And also, I'm, I'm guessing... Sometimes there's judgment. I've been there where, okay, I'm going to go out with my friends. I'm not drinking tonight. Especially being the wine guy, if I'm not drinking, that's like, how dare he? What's wrong? What, yeah. Or, do you have cancer? Are you dead? Yeah, obviously, I'm not pregnant because I, uh, 
we know that's physiology. Like that's we, obviously. It's why we brought you. Yeah. Because so, you're yeah. Drink. I thought you were going to pick the wine and drink yeah. for us yeah. with us. So like, I'm sure people have been judged. And this is also another way. One of the cool things about proxies is on a wine menu in a beverage program, someone can order a glass of one of the proxies and it can show up. It doesn't even have to be a thing. It looks like someone's drinking. So you can have that kind of cover, let's say, mm-hmm. and not have to feel awkward like, oh, you're just having Pellegrino tonight, Jill. Yes. I think like maybe illegally, my four-year-old was drinking a <laughs> proxies out of a wine glass at the bar. It's not illegal. People looking at it like, why is that child no. drinking? I'm have that? to see some ID, four-year-old. But it, it, it does. <laughs> it it looks right in the glass. Yeah. Like it has so much nuance. It's not juice. It's not uh, a mocktail. It is wine-like, wine yeah. adjacent. Yeah, it well, we're drinking it tonight. Sweet. We should let everyone we know are, yeah, we are yeah, drinking yeah. this. We are as drinking we this right now during the podcast. We're having glow. We're having glow it is to glow. bring back. You used a great word earlier called glow. <laughs> And it, it's uh, we're doubling that. So we're having one of our three sparkling proxies that came out in our November direct consumer club. We have a, a quote unquote non-alcohol wine club that um, it, the structure has changed in 2023. Now it's quarterly. You get six bottles every quarter. In the past, it used to be three brand new, newly formulated proxies every month direct to your door. So 36 new ones a year on top of the core range and changes in uh, collaboration bottlings. When I came and signed on, I asked, where's the sparkling? When are we having sparkling? Why haven't you done sparkling? What's wrong with you? Don't you understand how much sparkling you'll sell? Don't you understand what a business sparkling? And I was like, broken record, right? And what I didn't realize, it was a facility thing. It had nothing to do with the potential to make it. It was, they didn't know where to make it and how to make it and where to package it. They didn't have a bottling line to do it. So November of 2022, the club shipment had three sparklings in it. One that went into a a little bit more of the production and got filtered into uh, wholesale, which there's some in the LA market, there's some in New York, there's some in a couple other places called Fizz. And that's the one we made the most of. What we're having tonight is like a rosé style called Glow, Made with Riesling, Gull and Gall, Apple, Black Currant, Cedar, Sumac, Wild Ginger. And it's, I think it's excellent. It's so tasty. I, I, I'm glad that you just read that. I have to read sometimes. There's I so got many that Wild Ginger for sure. Yeah, the aromatics especially. Apple, definitely. Black Currant. It is fun. You're picking out all these different things. Mm. I think the aromatics are different than wine. Like that yeah. that part, I, I get a lot more on my palate than I than I do sometimes with wine and maybe less on my nose. You know, that part is sort of different. Yeah. But it still does feel like it evolves in the glass. Like the sip, mm-hmm. each sip is maybe a little bit different, which is fun. The color is fantastic. Like it, the, the packaging is so great. I love the clear bottles. I'm sure you sell so much of the rosé and the orange <laughs> wine just because yeah. they look fun. Yeah, you know, beautiful. they just, they... It looks like it's going to be just an experience, but have you been, I'm sure, to see how these things are made? What What is this like? So this, uh, you know, our business together started during COVID. I've not been to Toronto yet. I could, at this point, I could go. I just haven't been yet because the last year has been very busy. We all actually in physical form met in New York in May last year, the first time we were working together for almost nine months before we ever were in the same room. And we took over New York, did a bunch of events there. We did the release of one of our collab bottles with Andre Mack. I and see I, a lot of him on the yeah, Instagram. And I actually brought a and collab he's a bottle. he's rad guy. Yeah, he's the best. Andre's the best. I brought one of our collab bottles. I've been aging for like nine months, which Charlie Pita don't yell at me, but I had to do it. And so the collab bottles is honestly what might be the most important element 
for clout or for us mattering in the wine world, which is what we've done to bring in famous chefs, sommeliers, people who are known, who are award-winning, James Beard award-winning, have been on you know, chef's table. These are people who, if they believe in your product and they put their seal of approval and they put their name on it, you know that they believe in what's going on. So the first person to do a collab bottling with us was Chef Sean Brock. And so I brought two bottles of his Audrey bottling and uh, I saved one. And I wasn't sure what I was saving it for until you invited me to talk about proxies tonight. I was like, this is why. So we're going to taste that next. Awesome. That's so fun. Props to them for creating your position and having you be the face of this because it does make people take a second look. You know, people knew you like forever for wine. It's like, oh, well, why is he in this project? Well, maybe I should taste that. Well, maybe it is worth my time. Well, it comes back to the theme of taste, right? And and curation. It's so many people that you're like, we trust your taste. We trust your ability to curate for us. If, if you touch it, we know it's good. It's definitely opened doors given you know my experience and background in the wine world. Some friends of mine have said, yes, I'll taste, and then didn't like it, and I didn't get offended. What I will say, too, as we pour some delicious proxies again. This has got a nose right off the bat. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk a lot about that in a sec. Um, some of my friends... Some, some of my more known sommelier friends, especially, didn't necessarily jive with what the original formulations of proxies were. And I get it. Like, they weren't for everyone. And one of the cool things about right now, today, we've had so much time since, like, the launch of this brand. And I say so much. We've had three years. But that's three years of feedback, critique, listening, taking feedback from people that we care about, that we know know better, whether it's from customers, whether it's from direct consumer people who get the clubs, whether it's sommeliers, wine directors, chefs. When they had legitimate either desires within the range or they wanted certain flavors in or out or they asked, why didn't you do this or have you considered this style, the team listened. And what they did was they released what's now our core range with a light, bright white, a new rosé style, a fresh glue-glue style red, and then a heavier red. Where we used to have two heavier reds, one of the biggest things people asked for was like that light Pinot Noir-esque, you know, Loire Gamay, Beaujolais style. I want to crush a whole bottle. Chillable red kind of world. Yes. And that was missing entirely from what we were doing entirely, unless people were part of the club, which this is one of the things that's similar to that. So this was one of the first we did. And then Andre Max bottling also was like this, where it's that I want to drink a whole bottle of it because it's super easy. And obviously there's no alcohol here. And Sean himself doesn't drink anymore. So that was important for him. One of the cool things Sean was insistent on, and those who know him maybe from the McGrady's and Husk days, early Charleston days, he's a heritage, like grain, heritage, variety, MFR from down in the South. He cares a lot about farms. He's resuscitating things that were going extinct. And one of the things he was so into was, uh, I want to make sure I say it right or get the term right. He had his own farm that he wanted to bring an ingredient from. And he was like, it has to be there or I can't do it. It's called leather britches. Leather britches is a historic ancient style uh, bean from the South. And he there's like a drying technique that he would do. And he insisted on farming them, harvesting them, doing the aging process and then sending them to the lab in Canada, which created some problems because there's this thing called customs and time and like we got to make a product with it. So it all worked out somehow because he insisted on it. God love him, you know, so the leather britches from the south ended up making it. And and it's I think what gives it that like smoky kind of salty umami quality. But there's also pow pow. I'm sorry, papa, papas. Which, yeah, yeah, that's pow-pow. I'm like thinking LCD sound system. I was thinking the, the ski term. 
Give you, oh, give some pow pow. Fresh pow pow. <laughs> nice. Yeah, with all this, the water we've had lately yeah. in rain, there's lots of pow pow up there. It has a big umami thing. It's salty. It's really floral. It's like, this has a lot going on. What are the grapes in this? I think it's a backbone of Pinot Noir. Soy sauce. Like, I guess I was picturing like Japanese food with this. Yeah. (laughs) Even like a red that you might have. So he wanted to draw inspiration from, I guess his grandma made elderberry wine. Mm. Mm. I think Pinot Noir. And if I'm wrong, Charlie will text me. Well, you you don't make, you don't make this obviously, but. I'm curious as a pedestrian, what's the process to making this wine uh, or, 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 or proxies? Or so, the cool, yeah, so unlike a non-alcoholic wine where they make wine and they're like, oh shit, it has that magical alcohol that we don't want. Let's fucking take it out. I try to make light of how I say that because it's always a different way. And like, again, when you want to make a product and you're like, I'm going to make a product and take something away and that's my product. It just doesn't make sense in my opinion. Okay. I'm going to leave it there. I'm not going to make fun of anyone. Not mad at anyone for the way that things are, but what Proxies has done is used food science to layer beverages intentionally with the things we love most about wine, the things that make a great wine. Acid and tannic structure. Acids come from wine grapes. It comes from verjus. It comes from cranberry, boysenberry, lemon. There's a bunch of different ways that 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 can happen. And the parent company originally, Acid League, it's in the name you know, there's marinade, salad dressings, verjus, living and drinking vinegars. So there's a backbone of that in the just the kind of basis of the company. And then the other way that's, I think, revolutionary that our proxies maker Devin came up with, Devin Campbell, is to make tea, literally tea. And one of the things that makes proxies, unlike any other wine alternative, or maybe people now get it and they're using this, but the tannic structure comes from tea, literally. There's a small bit of caffeine in a whole bottle of proxies, 750 ml. There's like three to five milligrams of caffeine, which is about the same in a like eight ounce cup of green tea in a whole bottle. So it's like, you know, per glass about one, one and a half milligrams. Unless you're allergic or really sensitive, it's never a problem for people, but it's good to know. And then we layer, you know, we start with a wine grape juice. We just don't allow it to ferment alcoholically. So they they stop the process with sulfur. It's the one way to do it. There's no added sulfur, obviously, but it's like, that's the one thing that we have to do to make it. So yeast doesn't do its one job in life, which is to ferment things and excrete, you know, make alcohol and and CO2 happen um, when the sugar gets eaten. So grape juice, other fruit elements, but a lot of what he does, what Devin and his team do, they either... um, allow steeping to happen to take flavor that way, or they will actually distill down the essence of a flavor, like an actual, kind of like what LaCroix does. It's it's really revolutionary in a way, and obviously people are taking note, and, and there's a lot of food science going on in this non-alc space now, so it's not the only thing to happen. Proxies is not the only one doing this now, but when it first came out, no, I, no one I knew was doing it like that. And yeah, obviously there's like teas and things on the, the, the market, but a non-alc wine replacement, a non-alc wine alternative that did this to... Basically, just to get tannic structure, I had never heard of that. And it made so much sense to me because I'm a tannic guy. I like tannins. Mm. Sometimes I leave a tea bag in too long to let it steep because I like that like abrasive texture. And it's like really good in food pairings. Tannins work really well with certain things. And some people don't like tannins, and that's okay. Well, it, it creates like a weight in your mouth, a seriousness. Yeah. To the, it's something that you want to sip. It's definitely different than just a juice i mean all the other flavors make such a big deal too because you know and, we're and used this to bottle drink... in particular is so yeah. much different from the rose so that we were much drinking going earlier on. yeah it's it's so savory yeah. it, it it's 
Yeah, you're not sure. I mean, it definitely, I knew about the tea, but this is the one where I feel like it's strongest. Is it? Leather it, bridges. Do they have um, an expiration date? Because, you know, it, it, there's no alcohol to preserve. It's a good question. And so the way that like the food science looks at it, they have come up with a one-year shelf life. What that one-year shelf life means is not the same as your expiration date of milk or when cheese will go bad or things like that. Like things that can make you sick. They, they don't want you to get sick from that when there's that expiration date. Proxies has the one-year shelf life suggestion because for one year on a shelf, they are shelf-stable to have no degradation, basically, to still be the same product that they were when they got bottled. Now, some people love fresh Sauvignon Blanc, and that's all they want. Some people like to age wine for 10 years. Will this age for 10 years? I, I don't know yet because we haven't been around that long. But this for me is a really fun exercise. I aged this for nine months since I received it. And I have a couple bottles that I've been, I like put them in the back of my cellar from the first time that I ever got sent samples in 2020. So I'm like going on three years. So I kind of want to check those out. But did you have this when you first received it? And how has it changed in the nine months? It's gotten much more umami more soy, more, you know, mushroomy. But I like that. I'm, yeah. I'm good with that. Yeah, it just takes you, you take it way se- more seriously. It's that has nothing to do with non-alcoholic wine. <laughs> like the non-alcoholic yeah. wines that I've had, which are in their own world. But that is just a serious beverage. It has. And the tea, the tannic structure from the tea is that preservative. That's the acid that we get. And also the tannic structure, the tannins, that's going to act in a, I mean, look, Determinants of aging are always going to be sugar content, acid, tannic structure, and then alcohol has been a given. We don't even have to say it when we're talking wine because it's obvious. In this case, the lack of the no alcohol, because uh, there's never been alcoholic fermentation in what we make, the the tannins and the acid take over entirely. And there's a small bit of natural sweetness in these. Basically, an entire bottle of proxies, there's about half the content of sugar as a 12-ounce can of Coca-Cola. So... It's not very sweet. No, it's enough to balance it. Yeah. I mean, just tastes right. But I was just, and I think it's kind of interesting. You know, with wine, there's nothing, there's no nutrition facts on the label. Not nothing yet. is required not yet. now. But It'll it's, come. I like, this is a good start. Yeah, you know? it's Here, important. Let's look at our ingredients. Let's see what this is, what's actually in this. And that will be helpful when wine does that too. What's going to happen for, for proxies? It'll kind be of, there, there's certain industries that lobby hard. Like we've obviously seen it with the oil and gas industry. Like they don't want electric cars taking over. I get that. People who make a career out of adding stuff that we can't pronounce and it's not good for us, who make wine-like products that we call wine, they don't want that and are lobbying against it in the government. So that way we don't know what's in those quote-unquote, I'm doing bunny ear air quotes, that wine. may or may not be sold at Trader Joe's. No idea what you're talking about. So... <laughs> Those people influence greatly, unfortunately, what's going on in the policies of wine and, and how people are really saying what's inside of it. I'm showing their ingredients list. It's just that, that no one wants to be that transparent yet. Now, some people really do. The natural wine movement wants that. And the people that are doing it, it's pretty cool. You know, I appreciate it when they do do it. Yeah. yeah. You see it more in Europe. And you're like, oh, I guess I've never noticed that it didn't have that before. Right. You know? Yeah, it's time for us all to have it. It's just there was a on. Uh, there Let's was a Provence rosé that Rosenthal carried for a while. That like five years ago, it said on the front of the label like something like there's lactose in it or milk in it. I don't know if you remember this, but it was like it was not vegan. 
And people were like, I was like, we can't sell this. Like, I mean. Too much disclosure. <laughs> like, don't do that. I mean, at least have it on the back. Like, yeah. you know, it was like on the label. Not, not on the front. Yeah. I remember this. I'm like, what is happening? I mean, I'm glad you guys are letting us know. But what is this a problem? <laughs> but. This Lactose is, is normal. No one is going to buy this. Not in wine, sir or <laughs> no. ma'am. So from my understanding, is there tea in every different style in proxies? It's a backbone of how all proxies are made. And for the most part, they have a, about the same caffeine level, which again is like, I think, three to five milligrams per bottle. But yeah, so this one uses black tea. Sometimes it's green tea, white tea, jasmine. Um, we've done rooibos, which is popular in a couple of them. But yeah, they always have a backbone of tea. And that's how we get tannins. Yeah. And do people make the kombucha comparison? On the the last wholesale range, the ones that we've had in the market for the, like the last year and change, yes. This new range, which I have limited data on, but it's only been in the market for now going on a month. I don't hear that at all now. Not, not so far. The leaps and bounds that proxies and Devin and his team have gone to take the feedback and put these new proxies into the market, it's just... Uh, it's night and day. It's awesome. I don't see it. And I and I also think now so many of our customers really do know what kombucha tastes like. Right, <laughs> right. It's not just like, is this? They know what kombucha is and they know that's not it. <laughs> These are two vastly different bottles of beverage mm-hmm. tonight. So maybe we could talk about each one and just talk about a couple of things that might pair well. Mm, yeah. Start with the rosé. What, what do you think would be a good pairing for the rosé? I mean, to me, this is just like salad with goat cheese or a strawberry tart that's kind of savory. It's just so fresh. It's It doesn't have to have you food. Might even, you might even need food, right? I don't right. need food. It has a kind of apple thing going on too. Yeah. So, But such fresh apple. I Something really light and fresh. Cheese would be good too. So for the Audrey, what do we think of to pair it with this? What are some ideas for this? Yeah, so we're kind of on the tail end of truffle season. I think this would do really well with like a very simple pasta. Like if you're, I was just in Piemonte in December and I got to do like my third truffle season I've been able to have, which is insane that I can say that like that. So I would do like a tyrene pasta or a simple, just a fried egg with black truffle. And by the way, everyone listening, black truffle far surpassed white truffle this year, like kicked its ass. That's because of the lack of rain early and it rained late and... So anyway, black truffle. So don't splurge, right? You don't, you don't need to go all in. <clears throat> no, and they're way more expensive than normal, which is also not helpful. But yeah. so I would do something with truffle if you're going to go there, or you could do like truffle salt on top of. I would. I think this would be really good with seared scallops with like a brown butter and truffle salt, or something mushroomy like a portobello uh, mushroom sandwich, mushroom pasta. I don't know why I was thinking Japanese food. I guess it's just like the umami, but I was thinking like tempura, like and and some like funky something, just a little funky fermented things too, like because it has that vibe. But it's a serious beverage. It's a serious beverage. As a a person who's not a serious beverage person, (laughs) I found this at first to be a little bit challenging. But it is opening up. The longer you sit with it, it becomes you find some harmony with what you're drinking. At first, I, I was like, "Whoa, this is a lot." But now I find myself keep going back for it because mm-hmm. because it's it's a very interesting thing to drink. 
which is that which is really cool. Mushroom pizza at Milo and Olive with Ooh. the like super like kind of funky cheese and really earthy mushrooms. This will be so bright and fresh, but still pair with it. Like you're making me drool. Yeah, oh, oh, it'd be yeah. good. It is definitely a, a really the the other one is just enjoyable. It's like it's crushable. Yeah, yeah. correct. correct. Um, but this is could real they could be on a tasting menu you know like it could it's a serious thing thought provoking mm-hmm. totally yeah. yeah yeah and so now i always ask how can our listeners go and find this beverage so the two that we're having tonight from proxies are going to be hard to find and sorry yeah, really but sorry about that what you can do is go to drinkproxies.com you can sign up for the direct to consumer club which will go directly to your door six bottles every quarter you can also go if you're in the la area to esters you can go to a couple of the non-alc bottle shops that we have great partnerships with, like the New Bar in Venice or Soft Spirits in Silver Lake. If you're in Chicago, you can go to a plethora of places there. It's available in New York City. It's available in uh, all over Colorado and Denver area. You know, th- We've got distribution throughout the U.S., but these two in particular, either you're going to have to try to like pry a bottle away from your friend who knew about it or go to Toronto and like, you know, <laughs> try to hold them hostage and get one bottle out of their, their pride hands. Cause this, this doesn't exist really. I feel like this is subscription would be the way to go because it's just fun to see the different variations that can come from yeah. this. Um, totally. And, and if you're curious about if you're into beverages, then variety is the key. So I would definitely sign up for that. Well, it's like you both said, you don't need to drink every night of the week if you want to, and you want to still have a beverage in your hand. There's also plenty of friends that aren't drinking, and you want to make feel like they're just as important as anyone else that comes to your house for the party. So it's it's a really thoughtful beverage. Plus, I can't tell you how we you, we had the event at Esther's, and like the next day, the famed you know Instagram person Gary Vaynerchuk went on his uh, Gary V went on his Instagram and talked about how this non-alk movement is real. It's really happening. And so when I was like, Gary V, who, who is from, who has wine lineage, was saying this thing is really happening. I was like, oh, this is about to get even more mainstream. And this is really moving in a direction. So, well, this is fascinating. I mean, I think this world is really interesting for all the listeners out there that are into beverages. I think that's a great theme, not just about drinking wine, but into sort of what's in the know, what's cool, what everybody's doing. And this movement is real and a chance to sort of not, you know, not everyone wants to drink water every night. And they're not drinking. Drink something else. Drink something fun. Drink something you know. That at, at the tasting at, es- at Esther's, I saw lots of people that come to the tastings every week that drink wine. Oh wow! I saw lots of new people that I hadn't seen before. I saw lots of people that I'd seen before, but not with the people that were with them, with the partners that they oh, were. Oh, interesting. I saw pregnant people. Mm-hmm. I saw families. So yeah. it's really inclusive, which yeah. I think is cool. All right, now let's get to the last portion of the evening, which is what has been inspiring us this week. I'm going to go first. We have a six-year-old son, and he's in first grade. And I don't know if you know about this, but America was not uh, satisfied with the way the math scores were going in America with standardized tests. Hmm. So they said, we need to rethink the way we teach math. So they invited some parents in the elementary school, all parents actually, to say, come to this meeting and learn about the way we're going to try to teach math. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to relearn the way math is taught. Uh, and my, my brain is, was taught away. I'm old, people. I'm old out there. And they're teaching. This is not new math, but this is some sort of math that they're teaching called CGI, which is not the, related to the film world, but it's about how they teach math, and it's about storytelling. There's storytelling through math, which I think is so interesting, more about critically thinking about things. But they used a term that I liked a lot. It's called productive struggle. 
That's the idea of trying to work through the problem. Not just looking for the result, but working through the process. How do you get there? How do you get there? And I find that to be inspirational, not just for kids, but just in life. Because I think, I told this to Catherine the other night, productive struggle is such a great phrase. Because we all get stuck at times. But if you believe in being stuck, then you're not moving forward. But if you're working through something, even though you feel like you're not going anywhere, but if you feel like you're having momentum towards something, productive struggle has a positive spin on it. Mm. I thought thought that was a cool phrase I had not heard before. And I was like, I'm taking that and going to use that. Whatever, for career-wise or personally, I'm like, you know what, I'm in a bit of a rut. I'm just going to call it productive struggle. Yeah. So... When Mercury is in retrograde, it's a productive struggle. That's exactly right. We just got out of uh, retrograde, as a matter they of fact. Fuck so, off. <laughs> so that was my inspiration of the week, trying I to relearn it. a little new ideas about the ways I think about math. Catherine, what do you have? Okay, so most of the time, for me, it's a book, because I'm a big reader. And I got a book in the mail in December, and it was from Thrift Books, you know, used books. I didn't know who this was from. It was called An Altar in the World by Barbara Brown Taylor. Immediately thought, okay, my spiritual mentor, it's my Aunt Amy. I text her. No, it's not from her. Hmm, maybe it's from my mom. She said, oh, yeah, I must have sent that. Oh, good. Then, Tugs Dad text me. Did you get the book I sent you? I said, was it this one? He said, yeah, I brought it too. I thought I read about it. I thought we could read it together. I was like, oh, great. I said, mom, you didn't send me this, by the way. <laughs> it was John. Check your order history, mom. <laughs> Let me show you how to do that, mom. I'll call you. We'll FaceTime. I'll show you. He also uses thrift books. It was a fantastic book. So if you know me, I'm often reading fiction and I'm often reading books in the spiritual context, in all kinds of spiritual context. And this book is ripe and awesome and it's for anyone who is into a religion or is not into a religion and just curious about what it means to just be in the world and thinking about it in a deeper sense and John thank you for sending me this book I really really enjoyed it and I feel like we have a new connection all right Matthew what is inspiring you this week I love it so I'm gonna go a little more mainstream in a way a little bit more so I used to read a lot of wine books, and then now that I don't really have to read a bunch of wine books, I've been really enjoying this kind of golden age of TV we're going through, where there's so many different outlets and so much content being made that the most unique of people are given a platform and given a way to talk and you know an audience to watch or to have them watch. And I'm a big fan of Nathan Fielder, and I've watched awkwardly through all of his stuff through the years. Nathan, for you, I remember distinctly they did one episode where he did the dumb Starbucks right by Covell. Of course. And I remember, like, it made national this. history, yep. or na- it made national news. And, like, so I've been following this guy for a long time. A friend of mine told me to watch his newer show that came out last year called The Rehearsal. And that brought me to what is really inspiring me this week is How To with John Wilson. Yes. I just watched it. I started watching it at, like, 11:30 p.m. on a, a Thursday and I laughed my butt off <laughs> until 4 in the morning. Basically it's a visual podcast where he goes around New York and films a bunch of crazy shit. And the thing if you've spent time in New York, you know New York is full of a bunch of crazy shit all the time, but oftentimes it's not being captured on film. It's just you on your your eyes watching it and like going and telling all your friends like this crazy thing happened. So this guy just goes, walks around and films everything and then is able to bring it back and create a how to guide to fixing problems in your life. And the concepts that he attacks 
through these visuals he gets and the way he does the voiceover. He's the host of the show, but you never see him really. He's not in front of the camera. He's the videographer. He's the director of photography. He's the narrator. He's the director, I guess. And just the way, you know, me being someone who makes podcasts and TV shows and art in that sense, I'm always trying to learn from people who are really different in the way that they see things, the way they shape. And also how what you see shapes kind of a, I think a lot like the way that Family Guy was written, which is they make a joke and then they go into the brains of them and like six different separations of that joke go into a whole nother aside. John Wilson's very much like that. So the inspiration for me has been, because I'm like this in my life, I hear something and it inspires me to bring song lyrics up or something that's not at all related, but I think it is. And he inspired me to lean into that. Just the kind of, I don't know, he's super Asperger-y in a way, but also super normal. And just the tone of his voice and how the cadence he uses. And he trips on his own words and is okay with it. It's not perfect, but it is. And that's inspirational to me. It's a fantastic show. Oh, fuck, it's so I totally agree. That's a great call. It's a great reference. And Catherine, I need to do more TV and film watching in 2023. So maybe we'll get to the new season of that show when we have a little bit more time. I'm going to give you the floor, Matthew, because you have so many things going on. We're going to probably split this into two podcasts <laughs> because it's it's been a fascinating conversation. But I know you have, a lot of, you have a lot of things. I hope you've enjoyed yourself oh, over yeah. here. I, mean, I, I feel <laughs> bad. I got you guys up until 11 o'clock. But listen, we're up we're now. PM. It. Yeah, one, Only one of us has to get up early tomorrow for the kids. Monday is my day. Yes. Okay. Let's go. It's 5 a.m. My <laughs> house. Jeez. Yeah, um, Keep but drinking. What else, what else we can learn about you? I know you have yeah. a lot of things. Um, tell, tell us what's, what else is going on and how people can find you. Sure. So... My consulting website is willtravelforwine.com. It's a good place to start. If you're looking for someone who does what I do, like if you need someone to be an ambassador for your brand or your region, or you know, if you just want to learn about the stuff I've done, um, we can talk about Web3 stuff. I can help people figure out the mechanics of that. I have a new podcast that's going to come out at the same time as the baseball season this year. So we're talking end of March. My first guest is Dave Roberts, the manager of the Dodgers. It's called Will Travel with Matthew Kaner, trying to build on the Will Travel for Wine brand. Um, I've got a couple different clients. I'm helping open wine bars and tasting rooms. So in Silver Lake, Emily Betty, who's opening Best Of, very excited for her. She's in on Hoover area. That'll be opening sometime, hopefully, probably Q2, Q3. I'm very excited about that. And then another client, they own Aja Vineyards, which is based in Malibu. And they're going to be opening a tasting room. We're trying to get them a lease signed. Super excited for both of them because... As you know, you two both know how hard this is. We root for everyone in this business. It's impossible. hundred percent. Hey, listen, Jinx over there, because mm-hmm. we talk about this impossible. on the podcast all the time. Yeah. Listen, if you try to step a dip a toe into this world, yeah. we are rooting for you 100%. So we'll yep. shout you out to the rafters. Yep. So anyone out there with the idea, the impetus, the desire to open a wine bar, call me and I will wreck your dreams. And if you're still finding the inspiration in that deep down kind of... Uh, polar north star that you can't get away from and you know that's the answer after i ruin your dreams with the realities of it then you know you're in the right place and that's the people that i'm working with thankfully they they both get it so i'm excited for that um i'm gonna be hopefully going back to italy soon we'll see i'm uh finishing off a great campaign with grand moraine winery up in oregon i'm gonna go up and do some content with them sometime probably around the end of q1 and then one of the cool things about my life is and this is a concept I like to talk about. I've built space in my life to leave room for magic. You just never fucking know what might fall out of the sky. And I'm working on some stuff that I can't really talk about that just is not public yet. But part of that is like 
there's a lot of space to fill in the world. We all have, you know, we all have trouble with our attention span and there's too much noise and so much bandwidth that's being used. But at the same time, I don't know who doesn't know who I am or does. And I don't know if they have my phone number yet or my email address and they might learn about me on Instagram or on Psalm TV, or they might hear me on this podcast and go, oh, maybe I should call him. So this world, I recommend to all people, leave some room for magic and you'll be surprised what happens. I love that. I fully subscribe to that. We have to do that every day because our magic is in the form of three small humans Aww. that decide what they will yeah. make out of a day. Gotta leave a lot of room for that. <laughs> yeah. I, do. I, I love that. I'm taking that with me. I'm actually moving productive struggle out of the way mm-hmm. and make room for magic make is now coming magic. in. They, that, they can coexist. I, I agree. This was so much fun. I, I really appreciate Honestly. you coming over, spending time with us. We'll talk afterwards. But thank you for being on our show. Pleasure. Catherine, where can you tell the listeners where we can find you and the show? Check out Instagram. You can go to at Catherine Weil Coker or at The Long Finish. Matthew, are you on social media at all? Instagram? You can find me on all the medias of social. Instagram at Matthew J. Kaner. Facebook, Twitter, same at Matthew J. Kaner. You could probably find me on LinkedIn if you know how to spell. And anywhere else like TikTok and places like that. I don't spend a lot of time, but I'm there. All right, that's it. That's it for episode 95. Episode 95 is in the books. Thank you to everyone for continuing to listen to the show. Thank you for going on this journey with us and our conversation with Matthew Kaner for two episodes. Such a fun time talking to Matthew. He is a great guy, knowledgeable person about wine, as knowledgeable as they come, so give him a follow on social media. And be sure to follow us at The Long Finish on Instagram. We'll be coming out with some new episodes very soon. We have taped more interviews. We're excited to bring those to you. Thank you for your continued support for the show. You have a chance to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. That would mean a lot to us. Until next time, be happy, be healthy, and happy drinking. Ciao.